Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Hello, Nicole. How are you? I'm doing well, Chris. How about yourself? Doing great. Doing great. We're always doing great because we're always excited to talk about horses. <laughs> yes. Now, I just want to jump into this because this this could be a, could be a a long podcast and obviously we don't want to keep it too long, but that is talking about the dynamic changes, especially when it comes to nutrition through all the different life stages. Now, as we talked about last week and and in podcasts in the past, there's so many dynamics that go into feeding a horse, but one of the big ones, I guess, is, is life stages, right? Like that has a big determination on just where you start with your nutrition. Absolutely, because there's different things happening in the body depending on your life stage. I mean, once you get to the mature horse, yeah, you have some changes based on workload or maybe some different underlying health conditions, but it's relatively stable. But as you move, you know, through your growth phases, breeding horses, senior horses, there are some pretty notable differences between those life stages. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's what we're going to kind of talk about today. And I think just to kind of start off, if if Nicole, if you can just talk through some of these stages, you know, again, as an equine nutritionist, when, when you were looking at the horse from birth to the end of their life, you know, how would you break those stages down when it comes to feeding them? So we can think about it kind of based on major developmental milestones. So starting with birth, uh, your first major milestone occurs at about three months of age. That's when the foal shifts from only being able to digest milk-based protein to then being able to digest plant-based protein. So then we can start incorporating things that aren't milk-based into their diet. And because of that, kind of their nutrient requirements start to shift a little bit. Your major growth, so the greatest density of requirements, occurs while there is rapid growth. So foal into weanling into yearling, as they start to approach their two-year-old year for most breeds, you kind of start to see that consumption of nutrients, like on a body weight basis, starts to tail off a little bit. Now, I think a common question is like, when do we stop feeding them like a growing horse? Uh, Certainly, if you see the average recommendation on a growth feed is two years of age, I'll definitely extend that uh, depending on the breed uh, or even the type within a breed. So if you think about uh, within quarter horses, you have like your much smaller um, ranch cutting that type of horse compared to your hunter under saddle horse. I mean, they don't even look like the same breed. They're both quarter horses. The smaller one is going to mature at a younger age than the much bigger one. So for those horses, a lot of times I'll continue to feed them a growth plane of nutrients up till two and a half or even three years of age, where your earlier maturing horses, I would feed a growth plane of nutrition until about two years of age. It's important to realize that's not when the horse is actually fully mature. It just means that they're 
major growth has slowed down. So their nutrient density of their diet can start to decrease because their requirements come down. I mean, the final closure of growth plates is anywhere from five to even seven, eight years old in the really big, slower maturing breeds. We don't have to feed them as the same that we would a yearling until eight, um, but certainly recognize even though their nutrient requirements start to drop off, there is still some additional growth that occurs. You move from that to just your regular mature horse, and their nutrient requirements there are a function more of the job they're doing. So there are some basal, basic requirements for the mature horse. And then if we add some level of work on top of that, that'll change their requirements. And then you start thinking about breeding. So the pregnant mare, the lactating mare, the breeding stallion. And then finally, your last category would be your senior horses. So when looking at those stages, and and this maybe just go take a broad view, how do the nutrient requirements change? So, you know, because that's going to have a major impact on what you feed them. So if you can just kind of summarize that in uh, each of those life stages. Yeah, that's a big one. So our growing horses, obviously they're going to need calories for growth. That's the part that I'm least worried about. So talking about weanling through, let's call it your two-year-old, just to keep it simple. The nutrients that really increase during that time um, relative to your mature horse are going to be things like your macro minerals, calcium and phosphorus, for example, Uh, a lot of your trace minerals, very particularly copper and zinc, a number of your vitamins as well. And then of course, they also need a higher amino acid fortification. And that's just allowing them to build all of the things, bone, muscle, tendon, ligaments. And even though the quantity is kind of decreasing as they get older. If you think about it on a body weight basis, like their nutrients are the highest as they're smaller, their nutrient needs because they're growing so rapidly. So if you were to compare uh, growth pellet and culminese, very similar at their face. Uh, They provide very similar calories. They're both 8% fat. They're both high fiber. The main differences you're going to see between them, growth being designed for your growing horse, easy for your mature horse, is that protein and specifically limiting amino acids are higher in growth. And then again, some of those minerals and vitamins are higher as well to support those additional needs during growth. Same thing with your breeding horses. So, you know, there are dramatic increases in macro minerals, trace minerals, some of your vitamins for your pregnant mare, especially as she moves into lactation, her energy demand increases as well. That's why just feeding more of a performance feed isn't necessarily appropriate to meet all of the pregnant and lactating broodmare's needs. Because we know certain things um, like the copper and zinc requirement to decrease your risk of DOD is much higher. So we fortify those to a greater level in the growth feed. And growth is usually what's appropriate for your pregnant mare as well. Uh, stallions. So for them, you know, you're definitely seeing increases in their energy needs usually during the breeding season, their macro minerals increase. If you look at the NRC, there's a very limited increase in their trace mineral and vitamin requirements. Um, however, if you kind of delve a little deeper and 
you know, look at some of the research on fertile versus subfertile stallions. Uh, plane of nutrition definitely makes a difference there. So in some of our stallions that are maybe questionable um, as to their fertility level, sometimes feeding them a little bit more nutrient dense diet can be helpful in supporting that. What other categories are we missing? Um, you know, hard versus EC keeper, which is what we discussed in the last couple podcasts. Mm. That's really just a calorie difference. When we're looking at training, so in your mature horse, you know, energy absolutely goes up the harder a horse works. But protein, lysine, uh, your macro and trace minerals, some of your vitamins increase there as well. It is very dynamic. And, and again, a lot of different factors uh, can affect that. You're right. And that's why, you know, when I was doing research, a lot of it was just nutritional based, especially in the, in the repro, like you mentioned, looking at mare fertility and stallion fertility. And there's definite impacts. Absolutely. And then definitely nutrition impacts performance, overall health, all of those things. Now, one area, Doc, Dr. Rambo, that I, I would like to ask you about and I know we did a, a, a podcast on foals uh, and weanlings back in May, but it, it's definitely worth addressing here. And, and that's just concerns with DODs. So I think it's just worth bringing up again, just kind of reviewing what those are and, and, and how you approach it as, from, as a nutritionist. So DODs, developmental orthopedic disorders, yep, great point because they, they impact the the value of a resulting foal, they impact the likelihood it can go on to be a job, the quality of their life. So to start with, you know, focusing on a good plane of nutrition and being mindful in how we provide that nutrition to the gestating and lactating mare is incredibly important. Uh, you know, there's quite a bit of research that looks at the concentration of nutrients. So copper and zinc, for example, that's part of why the needs are higher in the pregnant mare um, because it reduces the risk of DOD, but also where the calories come from. Uh, there's an increasing body of work that very much supports the fact that higher NSC diets fed during gestation increase the risk of DOD. And, and these are going to be things, um, OCDs, fasciitis, um, cervical compression, which causes wobblers, all of that stuff, angular limb deformities falls under this umbrella of DODs. So we first start just thinking about risk management wise, how can we get a very good and appropriate diet for the mare? And then into our growing foal, once it's appropriate to feed them plant-based proteins, Let's say we did everything and, you know, we still end up with a DOD. Generally, what we're looking at in that case is can we reduce NSC intake? Is the calorie intake appropriate? Because we want to promote slow and steady growth, not quick growth spurts. And then a lot of times what you find is that, you know, regardless of doing everything else right, they're genetically programmed and they might have had growth spurts. They're genetically programmed to grow pretty quickly. And they might outgrow their micro, mineral, and vitamin allotment. So what we'll end up doing is increasing the nutrient density of the diet while we're maintaining or even decreasing the energy density a little bit to basically fill that nutrient cup back up. Um, a lot of times that makes a major difference, especially in cases of fasciitis. So, you know, when things all go great, um, it's just feeding 
picking the appropriate product, feeding it at at least the minimum recommended rate, you're going to meet the horse's requirements. And then sometimes things don't go like you want to, and we have to make adjustments. So that might be DOD, that might be an older horse that has a metabolic condition, it might be a neuromuscular disease that impacts you know, its requirements for certain vitamins, or there's some interesting work looking at uh, myofibular myopathy, which is a muscular issue where those horses require greater levels of antioxidants. So there are some things that shift us away from the basic levels because those are all based on healthy horses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, since this, this could be such a, a large topic, I one of the one of the things that I really appreciate, you know, working with a tribute the last few years is how advanced equine nutrition has gotten. But with that advancement has come, it's gotten more complex, right? Like, you know, 20 years ago, I, you know, I admitted we were just feeding, you know, steamed cracked corn. (laughs) (laughs) Now that was not my decision. I was just a grad student, but you know, to today where, you know, I go and look up, you know, the tribute website, you go look at other feed companies and there are literally 20, 30 different types of feed and it does get confusing. So I thought it might be nice if, if I just kind of throw some feeds at you and if you could just kind of tell the listeners what type of horses those might apply for. Oh, so okay. this is like quick fire questions. All right, <laughs> yes, let's do it. Yes, yes. Yeah, put you on your toes. But I just thought, you know, it'd be helpful because there, there are so many different feeds and I know we mentioned them, but, you know, for example, earlier you said growth and calm and easy. So if we can just start there, the the growth feed by tribute, what, what horse is that perfect for? And then calm and easy, what types of mature horses would that be perfect for? Okay, good question. All right, so to step one step back, let's break feed into three main categories. Those that are designed for breeding and growing animals, those that are designed for your mature or performance horse, and then senior feeds. So growth, pellet, and textured. I will say I have a bias towards the pellet because it is lower NSC. Uh, Growth pellet and growth textured are designed for your pregnant and lactating mares, and your growing animal up to at least age two, age three, if it is a slower maturing type horse. The caveat on these particular feeds is these are horses who need both nutrients and calories in addition to their forage. You need to feed at least the minimum label recommended amount to get all of those good nutrients that are designed to support the gestating mare, lactation, and then all of those needs for growth. So if you cannot feed the minimum recommended rate, it would make the horse too fat. Then the growth feed isn't for them. We'd look at a ration balancer. So just because there's a picture of a Marin foal on the bag doesn't mean that's the only thing you can feed a Marin foal, but it does mean that that is appropriate for that class of horse, provided you can follow the label directions. Your Second one you brought up was Calm and Easy. Calm and Easy is so flexible. So Calm and Easy is a low NSC feed, moderate fat at 8%, high fiber. So it is meant for the moderate keeper. So it's a horse who needs more than just 
hay to maintain their weight. The minimum recommended feeding rate for the average size horse is four pounds. It is fantastic for lots of horses. So horses in performance jobs up until a certain point, like if you have a racehorse, you're not going to feed calm and easy because it's not going to be enough calories, but it is certainly going to be well supportive of a lot of different types of jobs. It is technically a senior feed because it is high enough in fiber. So I use it there. And I will also tell you a dirty little secret. I feed it to growing animals sometimes too, but I don't feed it by itself. I pair it with essential K. So let's say we have a mare who's kind of in between where just essential K is not enough calories. Growth pellet at label recommendation is too many calories. Well, I would feed her the base amount of essential K. So we'll say it's three pounds a day. And then I might feed her a pound of calmanese on top of it to balance out her calories. So very, very flexible feed. Yes. Now, now, let's jump to essential case that you just brought it up. What, what is that ideal feed for? Yep. So essential case is a ration balancer, highly concentrated in nutrients, low feeding rate. So for your average size horse, you'd only feed a pound or two per day. When you look at it, it's way more concentrated. So Calmanese is 14% protein, essential case 28% protein. It's because it is more concentrated. So essential K can be the sole ration for the easy keeper. So they maintain their weight on forage. We just want to fill in the gaps. That's the main thing it's designed to do, but we can use it in combination with another feed. Like I just talked about for a pregnant mare who's in between. And a lot of times I'll top dress a horse. So if I have a horse who is kind of towards the lower end of the label recommendation for a feed, let's call it calm and easy. Four pounds a day is maintaining the body weight for my horse, but his top line or his muscling is a little bit lacking. I will add an additional pound of essential K, not really bringing many calories in, but it's a very nice way to get that boost of nutrients that helps support the top line. Another example would be, uh, I personally have a horse who has, you know, had a lot of issues with EPM. So muscling is a challenge. I want to support his immune system. So he gets a base feed towards the lower end of the feeding rate and then two pounds of essential K on top of it. So you really can be pretty flexible in how you use essential K. Now, just for the listeners, I don't want to, this isn't a commercial for all, I mean, obviously we're very proud of all the tribute feeds, but you can go to any other feed company and, and there's a, just a list and list of feeds. So the, the purpose of this is to show you how flexible you can be in your feeding program and just using these as an example. So a few more, just because we're not going through the entire list. We'll be here for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> no. I wanted to ask you, where does Calm Ultra fit in? So Calm Ultra is a very calorie-dense feed. So it's 12% fat. It is moderate NSC at 23.5%. This is for the horse who either really needs to gain weight or, you know, a really good application for this type of feed is a horse doing a pretty intense job. So those higher fat provides calories, moderate NSC for glycogen repletion. So this is what we would call a high performance feed. So you can feed both Calm and Easy and Calm Ultra to performance horses. You are more likely to have to feed a Calm Ultra to a horse doing a more intense job than the horse who is eating Calm and Easy, but both are in that performance range. Okay. And then Resolve? 
I'm just throwing Res- them at you. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's okay. No, I, I like it. So Resolve really falls in the middle of Calm and Easy and Calm Ultra. So Resolve is moderate NSC at 17%. It is 10% fat, but it's also high fiber like Calm and Easy. So I might recommend Resolve to a horse who's a hard keeper but is sensitive to sugar and starch. Maybe they're prone to ulcers. Maybe they're hyperactive. That would make Resolve a better choice than Calm Ultra for that particular horse. I might recommend Resolve for a horse who's maybe not getting great hay. So they need to gain some weight, and I've identified the forage program as being lacking. I'm going to get that combination of higher fat. Those are good calories. But because it's also high fiber, I'm doing a better job of supporting the microbes that live in the hindgut of the horse. So I would choose that over Calm Ultra if I need a horse to gain weight, but the forage program is poor. Right, right. A lot of flexibility. I guess I'll just throw one more at you. Where would you put in senior sport? So senior, yep, senior sport and resolve are cousins. So essentially everything I just described to you about resolve fits senior sport as well. The main difference between them is that Resolve is a pellet. Senior Sport is textured in that it is pellet and beet pulp shreds with a little oil and molasses on the outside. How I might decide between Resolve and Senior Sport a lot of comes a lot of times comes down to the preference of the horse. On higher fat feeds, sometimes horses who are picky really like the textured Senior Sport a little bit more than they like the pelleted Resolve. But maybe I need to soak it down because their teeth aren't great. Well, Resolve is going to soak down into a mash, a slurry, a little bit easier than Senior Sport would. So I might go that way. Again, you know, you can you can plug and play with lots of different feeds out of different lines that have similar attributes. Um, I think the big takeaway here is there's a lot of options because there's so many different horse scenario issues. Technically, from a nutritional perspective, we should be able to feed them with like three or four different feeds total ever. But Mm -hmm. because of horse preference, owner preference, differences in management, differences in forage programs, that's why we end up with so many more options and combinations of options uh, because it reflects the complicated nature of feeding horses in the real world versus, you know, a very controlled research setting. I wouldn't need 30 different feeds. I'd need a handful. Right, right. Well, if, if, if listeners' heads are spinning, where can they get help? <laughs> because I'm like, okay, you know, I want to, I want to talk to you, Nicole. How, how do we find help? How do we get help? So we have some really fantastic equine specialists that if you uh, will put the phone number, the email address, or shoot them a message on Facebook, they're happy to walk through all the different scenarios with you and help you identify is Resolve the right option? Is Senior Sport the right option? Is a combination of Essential K and Calm and Easy the best option for my barn? Um, They are fantastic at helping you with all of those things. And then following up and adjusting. You know, one major thing I tell anyone I give a recommendation is, based on the information I have today, this is the starting point. These are the products in the quantities I would recommend, or, you know, the changes in your hay program, I'd recommend whatever. It's just a starting point because it's dynamic and then we're going to adjust it as time goes and variables change. Very, you know, very helpful and it, it is free. So please use that resource uh, if you need it. And 
And we mentioned this last week, but we have been uh, listed as a top 10 horse podcast. So just going to mention it again this week. You can go to Feedspot. It's a blog that looks at different categories of podcasts, and we were nominated as a top 10 one. So we will put that in the show notes, and you can go click on that that link, and it will take you to the blog, and you can look at, you know, try to find some other horse podcasts that cover it different things but thank you nicole i I know that this is a very broad topic but uh, again it's good to just kind of tie all these concepts together but thank you so much yeah thank you chris happy to help 